0: So the title of my message is Dream Big, and then I put under that, because God is bigger than that. And I got that out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, if you want to turn there, one of my favorite scriptures, Paul is actually praying for the church at Ephesus, and he says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works... In us, So the Apostle Paul said exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or what we even think, according to the power that works in us. Right here, the Apostle Paul is telling us to dream big because God in your life is as big as you make him. And you say, well, God's all powerful. He can do anything he wants. That's a lie. God could have done anything He wants. But when He chose to give you free will, it took away His choice. Do you understand that? So now we operate in the ability to partner with God. That's why He says, Now unto Him that is able. See, if if Paul would have just changed that one word from able to will, now unto Him who will Do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. If he would have changed that one word from able to will, then you would have no responsibility in this matter. Then it would all be up to God. But because of that one word in there, able, then it puts you in this sentence. Because God is able, but it's contingent upon you. Believing His ability to do abundantly above what we ask, think, or can even comprehend according to the power that is in us. Because when God gave us, the Bible says that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Which means that we have the fullness of God dwelling inside of us. And that fullness of God produces life in us. How big is God in your eyes? Is he big enough just to save you? Is he big enough to meet your needs? There's millions of Christians around the world who stop at salvation because God was big enough to save them. But then you go on the other side, there's millions of people around the world who haven't come to Christ because they didn't believe that God was big enough to forgive somebody as wicked as them. So then it goes back to God is able. Amen. What do you believe? How big is God in your sight? I'm going to go through and I'm going to read. I'm actually, I'm just going to illustrate some of the stories that God used of, of great men in the Bible that we see them as great. But before I do that, there's great people in this congregation Amen. My cousin Bobby was the first one to graduate from college from our family. Graduated with honors, top of his class. Got his whole trip to go see Israel. To walk in the footsteps of Jesus. He's been to China. Amen. Amen. Because God is big. Sarah, our worship leader, her and Jason couldn't have children. They tried and tried. Almost to the point of giving up. They tried adoption, and every time Satan would meet them, trying to stop them. But I tell you today they have three beautiful kids because God is bigger than us. My mom, when when we went to look for churches and, and even our last church at Life Church, she was like, Well, I'm not really being used here. My mom will feed strangers. If there's anyone that you know that's hungry, she has the gift of hospitality. But she don't realize it all the time. She fed us all weekend and took care of us and cleaned up after us. I'm talking about dreaming big. Amen. God's brought them into a a place of financial rest. And she's been quoting for the last two years that God is going to make our end better than our beginning. Their beginning started without God, but they're not without God anymore. Amen. And without hope. And that hope that they had didn't make them ashamed. So now they can stand in the face of adversity and say, this is what God's done for me. And because He's done this for me, guess what? He'll do this for you. Because He's able. But the question is, are you willing? Because God is able. So then the question is, are you willing? Amen. And for me and my household and this body of Christ, I say, yes, we're willing. Amen. Because he's able. Because if he wasn't able, we could never be willing. But because he was able, now that gives us the ability to be willing. Amen. Because we line ourselves with God and say, you can do something greater in our lives than we could ever achieve on our own. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite stories, David. The Bible says that David was the apple of God's eye, which means when God looked on the earth, God was looking for David. Amen. When God thought, I wonder how my children are doing, how's David doing? I want to see David. Amen. But before David ever became a king, ever did any great exploits for God, before he did anything, ever. Samuel the prophet. God spoke to Samuel and said, how long will you mourn over Saul seeing that I reject him? And he said, go to Bethlehem and call Jesse. He didn't even tell him the name of the son. See, Jesse had eight sons. And he told him that he was going to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king over Israel, the next king. And Samuel said, I can't go. If I find out, Saul will kill me. And he said, take a heifer with you, which is a cow. And tell him you're going to sacrifice to the Lord. And then bid Jesse and his sons to come. So as Samuel, as he enters in to Bethlehem, the leaders of the city came out to meet him. And the Bible says they were trembling with great fear. And they said, do you come in peace? And Samuel said, yes, I come in peace. Prepare yourselves to go and worship the Lord and worship before the Lord with me. And he, the Bible says that he invited Jesse and his sons Now, this is a great honor to have the prophet Samuel come to your city. And Jesse, seven of his sons, he has there. But one of them, he left with the sheep. At such an important time for your city that the prophet actually visited it. And you were going to go and get to eat with the prophet that you wouldn't even invite David. He was just there watching sheep. But you know what? Samuel looked at the first son and he said surely this is the Lord's anointed before me and God said nope that ain't him for I look on the heart of man and I've rejected him because his heart's not right before me so the other six passed before him too it was none of them and Samuel said is this all your son see Samuel's confused because God told him to anoint the king and Jesse didn't even think to of inviting his youngest son maybe he was mercy's age he thought well you know he's just a kid you know what's he gonna do <laughs> he's just a kid is not the one I would pick you know but the one that God would pick and Samuel says go get him we're not gonna sit down till he gets back here so when David comes in Samuel rises up anoints him as the next king the moment that God anointed David as king See, David could have no vision to be king. He couldn't even have a dream to be king unless God told him, you're going to be the next king. But once God told him, you're going to be the next king, then faith was ignited in David and he could dream. He could dream what it was going to be like to be king because David received a word from God. And you've got to understand that the Bible, the word, is the will of God. So when you read in the Bible that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's you. That's God's will for you. Amen. It's the word that brings light into our lives that actually produces fruit. So now we can dream as big as God can go because we've received the word from God. Amen. When David writes, I'm young, I was young, and now I'm old, and two things I've never seen the righteous forsaken, or a seed begging bread I can say, I will never be hungry a day in my life because God won't forsake me because his word says that he's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And guess what? I am a seed. Amen. And you are a seed. It's the importance of depending on the promises of God that make us something that we could never become on our own. It's the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Amen. Abraham, love the story of Abraham. Abraham, such a great story. I'm not going to read out of Genesis, but I am going to read out of Romans chapter 4. So if you guys want to turn there, amen. All right, I'm going to start in 13, and we're going to work our way down all the way through 25, so... For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs. Faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all as it is written I have made you a father of many nations before whom he believed even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were the Bible says that Abraham was just like God calling those things that be not as though they were. It says that God calls those things that be not as though though they were. See, you could have never been saved based on your current state. You could never be standing in the position that you're standing in based on how you were. But God didn't see you as you were. He sees you as you are. Amen. Uh, the righteousness of god based upon our covenant that we have with jesus christ which gives us full access and entrance into the things of god and into the presence of god because god has a destiny for every one of us but it's only as big as we can dream amen he's able are we willing and the answer is yes indeed we are willing amen verse 18 who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of sarah's womb see he didn't look at where he was and say, this is where I'm going to be. He was looking at God and saying, where are we going? And God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he said, yes, let's go. Amen. And together, guess what? Abraham became the father of many nations. Amen. And he's the father of our faith, as the Bible says. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. See, sometimes the spirit of unbelief tries attaching itself to a believer and saying, well, you believe for that and it didn't work. There's no promises of God that you've ever believed for where you was willing to stand, even if it took forever, that won't work. Because all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. But the thing is, is how long are we willing to stand? Me and Heather has believed for certain things for years, and we didn't see them come to pass. But guess what? There was a moment in time, because we didn't stop believing That God was able to do something for us that we couldn't do on our own. That what we were believing for became tangible, and now we walk in it. Amen. And if it'll work for somebody like us, I consider myself like the Apostle Paul, the least of all these. When God called me into ministry, Bobby was already in ministry. I said, you got Bobby. (laughs) Who else do you need? (laughs) Amen. Because I, I've never esteemed myself as a great speaker or intellectual. But God said, I've made you an evangelist. And I've never went against that. I am an evangelist. And I believe that even when I was timid and couldn't speak much and had very little vocabulary. When I came to the Lord, I probably had a third grade reading level. And I'm not messing with you. that I was probably a third grade reading level. It was that bad. I never paid attention in school. I got kicked out in 10th grade. I got expelled from the school I was going with. I never went back from school. But since I married Heather, I got my HSED. Amen. I can stand up here in front of you and speak with confidence that God is going to give me the ability to do what I can't do. See, I'm dreaming with God. And you can dream with God. We can go deeper into the rivers and the waters of God that he wants to take us. How big are you willing to dream? Because God in your life is only as big as you'll let him be. Amen. Verse 22. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And verse 23 is what I just read all of this for. (laughs) Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. His faith became righteousness. His righteousness before God was his faith because he believed God. And the Bible says it was a credit to him, his righteousness. But it says that it wasn't written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Amen. So we look at these examples in the Bible and we say, wow, these men were great men of God and they did great exploits for God. But you got to remember that these men were men. Peter, James, John, all the apostles were fishermen. And on the worst night of Peter's professional fishing career, Jesus called him into ministry. The worst night. Jesus shows up and the crowd's following, pressing him so much that he actually gets into the ship of Simon and he preaches for however long. And then he tells Peter to cast out. And Peter says, Lord, we fished all night and caught nothing. But because you said, because you said, we'll do it. And they cast out and Jesus said, cast your nets to the right side of the boat. Peter didn't argue with Jesus this time. He did it. And the Bible says that the catch of fish was so big that they had to call for their other partners in the boat and that they came and helped them and both of their nets started to break. And they loaded the ships with so much fish that they both began to sink. And Peter, in the midst of this, said, Away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, Fear not, from now on I will make you fishers of men come and follow me. See, Peter could have no hope to be a great evangelist, to do anything for God until Jesus said, I am going to make you fishers of men. At the moment that Peter received the word of God, which was Jesus's word, that gave him the ability to dream What are we going to do? And for the next three and a half years, the Apostle Peter would witness miracles that this word has never seen. But then the Messiah is taken from him in the midst of that. And guess what Peter wants to do? He wants to go back to fishing. But he's already received the word from God. God called him out of that. So Jesus shows up on the shore. And he tells them again, Have you any fish? Have you any bread? And they said, No. We've fished all night. Caught nothing. (laughs) Jesus said, Cast your nets to the right side of the boat. And the Bible says that they drew up such a catch. 156 fish altogether. But the Bible says that once that happened, the apostle John said to Peter, It's the Lord. Peter didn't even wait. Peter jumped out of the boat and swam back. To where Jesus was. And then Peter is walking with Jesus. He looks back. And he said, what great thing will this man do? Talking about the Apostle John. What great thing is he going to (laughs) do? Because John knew Jesus loved him. In the Gospel of John, he says he's the one that Jesus loved. (laughs) You guys were okay, but Jesus loved me. (laughs) So Peter says, what great thing is uh, this man going to do? And Jesus said, if I will that he remains alive till I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. See, we can get caught up in other people's dreams. It's easy to do that. Somebody's dreaming big and you want to dream with them, you know. But that's not always the direction that God's going to take you. Because you have a word from God. Amen. God is as big as you can dream. And this morning, he's telling you to dream big, to dream big, dream beyond yourself. Amen. Expect the unexpected. Try to do the impossible. Amen. Our imagination was given to us by God. It's our ability to dream. It's unfortunate that people use the imagination for the wrong thing. But it's a tool that God's given us to dream and to dream big. I want to read you out of Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. The reason why you don't hear too many Bibles turning <laughs> is because I was telling Byron this last week. I said, uh, man, Mark, when he tells you a Bible verse, he don't even give you time to turn. He just starts reading it. <laughs> I got to the point where I just set it beside just so I can listen, praise God. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to miss everything he says while I'm trying to find this verse. We're going to go back up to verse 1, and we're going to read down. A little bit of scripture today, praise God, you can bear it. And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go, go, too, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach up to heaven, and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the earth. Keep that in mind. They said, let us make us a name. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. These are people who are not operating under the Spirit of God. Okay, these people wanted to make themselves a name. They wanted to build them a tower that reached up to heaven. And the Lord said, these people are all one mind and in one accord. And he said, if we don't do anything about this, nothing that they will imagine will be impossible for them. So God confused their language. See, God has brought us to a place where we're supposed to be in unity beyond what they were. See, now the devil tries bringing confusion to the body of Christ to break the unity because the devil also knows that if we get in one accord as a body and as believers, if we get in one accord with one goal in mind, nothing will be impossible that we imagine. Because now we're not without God trying to make us a name. We're under his name. And we're trying to make his name great. Not our name great. And that's why Christians fail to receive from God sometimes. Because they want to make their name great. But if they realize that all that we have to do is make his name great. When we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says that He lifts us up in due time. When we exalt Him, He exalts us. Amen. Not so that we can exalt ourselves and boast in ourselves a little bit, but that so that we can exalt God and that we can boast in God. Last one, I'll finish up with this. The Apostle Paul. This man is notorious for locking up Christians. This man's locking up Christians left and right. They put a Christian to death named Stephan, and the Bible says that he was there giving his approval, and he even held the clothes of those who murdered him, which would be like if you killed somebody, I'll hold the gun. It'll be okay. I'll hold the gun. Guess what? That calls you an accomplice to murder. (laughs) You go to jail for a very long time. But he was actually operating under the law that was established during the day, which is the judicial law, the law of Moses, the Abrahamic law, which was the law of faith. I'm getting off on a tangent here. Praise God, but okay, (laughs) God is good. The Apostle Paul is there while they're killing Stephen. Conceals the clothes of the people that killed him. On the road to Damascus, the Bible says that he saw a bright light shone about him. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus the Nazareth, who you persecuting. And the Bible says that scales came on the Apostle Paul's eyes, and that he was blind and he groped about, and actually had to have men lead him home. see, the Apostle Paul, I believe it's in the letter to Galatians, he confessed to murder, to be in there, when Stephen was stoned he says, Lord, they know that I was there when your martyr Stephen was stoned. The Apostle Paul was beat in prison, suffered shipwrecks. The Apostle Paul, his missionary journey starts in the book of Acts. And the Bible says that they were fasting and praying. And the Holy Spirit said unto them, separate Paul and Barnabas unto me for the work that I've prepared for them to do. The Apostle Paul went on to plant all the Gentile churches, and we are reading his letters that he wrote, most of them from prison. Do you believe that the Apostle Paul was dreaming big when it came to God? The Apostle Paul believed that God could take a man who was killing his own people and make him something more than then he was. See, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't even matter if you've denied God. It doesn't matter. The thing is, is that you right now in this place know that God is able And are you willing? Amen. Are you willing? Because your past will never prevent you from your future unless you refuse to move forward. Amen. And God says, come. That's what he says. Your past will never prevent you from your future unless you refuse to move. And I refuse to remain stationary. I refuse to just be where I am. See, I want to dream big with God. When God says, hey, we're going to do this, I don't want to be limited through unbelief or through things that happened in the past when I believed something and I gave up on it. When He speaks to me on something He wants to do, I want to say, let's do it. We don't have to be hindered by our past failures. We have the ability to dream big. Amen. That God is able to do something with our lives. To transform communities, nations even. Amen. That he would be glorified in someone like us. Someone like us. Because he loves us. And there's nothing he won't do for you. There's nothing I wouldn't do for mercy. There's nothing. I don't care. She's not good enough. But if she messed her life up. And she did a whole bunch of stuff that was against my will. And she came home and said, Dad, I've really messed my life up. I can't fix it without you. See, if I was a good dad, I would say, we can fix it together. I can help you. See, a evil dad would say, I raised you. You're grown. You made your bed lying in. You would call that evil, wouldn't you? (laughs) God would never do that to us regardless of how much we messed our lives up, how much mistakes we've made, he would say, okay, we'll get this right. Amen. He would give you the ability to dream again. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. I thank you for the integrity of your word. I thank you that, Lord Jesus, just that you've given us the ability to dream. And that you set our lives in motion once we gave them to you, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge our complete dependence upon you. and We thank you for your goodness and your ability, Lord God. And We thank you that we do declare that we are willing. I bless your people as they go. I thank you for safety over everyone who's traveled. I just ask you that our lives would be enriched today with the abundance of joy that you provide through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.